the refuge of Sangha is, um, is our uh, topic for reflection today. And, um, and this element of community is an essential part of refuge, of, of the path. Um, when uh, the Buddha began to offer teachings, uh, people left home and, and joined the community um, and it grew. And at first, um, uh, well, the, the, the community was, was radically inclusive. Um, that was the, that was the attitude, the, the caste system as it e exists today in, in India was not yet uh, fully formed, but there was a kind of a, a Brahmanistic um, elitism. And, uh, and so the, the, uh, the Sangha was non-hierarchical in that way, although there was a hierarchy of um, seniority um, by realization, I think, as I understand um, the, um, the people who had uh, come to some degree of awakening took more leadership. Um, the the uh, exception to the inclusivity in the beginning was that women were not accepted into the Sangha. Um, but, uh, but then um, the Buddha's aunt with a large number of women came and, and requested ordination, uh, requested acceptance into the Sangha, um, not ordination as we understand it today. And, um, and it took some, it took some um, convincing and uh, by his, his uh, cousin and attendant Ananda um, argued on behalf of the women and eventually the Buddha did uh, accept women into the Sangha. Um, it's not 100% clear what was his hesitation, but, um, but uh, there were many bhikkhunis as well as bhikkhus. And, um, and the life was not, um, was not always perfect. It was, uh, there were problems in the community and um, it was, a number of human beings uh, who were trying to live together and uh, they had a common goal um, and uh, they had um, their blind spots and um, conditionings as do all human beings. Um, and eventually uh, more rules were put in place. Um, there's one story which I, I find really interesting, which is um, this is story of uh, you know I, I think of um, I think of the sangha as as uh, these these kind of settlements that maybe were around the countryside uh, and um, and and the, it, there's this one uh, discourse that describes how the Buddha was was walking around and just um, kind of seeing how things were going in the, uh, in the different 
little communities. And uh, and they came. He came across. He was with Ananda, and he came across a monk with with uh, dysentery, and um, who was lying in his own feces and urine. And um, and the. Uh, and Buddha asked the monk, you know, you know, are, are you sick? And he said, yes, I, I have dysentery. And, and the Buddha said, why aren't the monks taking care of you? And, um, and, and the sick monk said, it's because I don't do anything for the, for the other monks. And, um, and so the Buddha went out and asked, uh, some monks he saw nearby and said, you know, um, is there a sick monk? Are you, are you aware there's a sick monk here? Yes. Uh, and why aren't, why aren't you washing him? Why aren't you taking care of him? And, um, and, uh, and they said, he doesn't do anything for the other monks. And so, um, so the Buddha and Ananda went in and they, uh, Ananda got some water and they, they washed the monk and they, they put him in bed, um, got him, you know, got him clean robes and so on. And, um, and then the Buddha called together the community and said, um, monks, you have no father, you have no mother. This is your family. You know, you have to take care of each other. And, uh, and then he went on to, the, the teaching goes on to describe um, how one should behave as a patient, how one should be cared for and what kinds of behavior should be expected and, and how one should behave as a nurse, as somebody who cares for another. So, so in this way, um, the rules of community got established. But it's uh, it it really uh, if if we if we had an idea that that everything um, was was smooth and easy and everybody was of like mind and 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 aware of the needs of one another uh, and harmonious, you know, it's it's not it's not so and and um, and all of the rules the the, the vinya um, got established because of problems that arose. So um, there are different uh, ways that that uh, the outer meaning of sangha is described. You know, this outer and inner, um, and uh, the most um, kind of narrow definition is the monastic community. Um, so uh, the ordained uh, monks and nuns and um, and so I, I, I don't hear that definition, uh, at least in the West, in um, used, uh, referred to very often. Um, the, a, a larger definition uh, is the community of the awakened. Um, so it could be partially awakened or fully awakened. So um, maybe that's narrower, I don't know, <laughs> but it uh, depends on what you mean by awakened. Um, but, um, you know, I think that there are many people, uh, who have been practicing, who, uh, 
you know, their, their wisdom eye has opened to a certain degree and uh, uh, there's been insight and, um, and some understanding, uh, some, some liberation of heart and mind that's, that's uh, been realized. Um, and um, a common way that, that the word sang is used in the West is, um, is the pra practice community. So people who are on the path in whatever way that means. Um, uh, so uh, sangha is us. So you and me and all of us here and and the people that we practice with, we are, we are the refuge. So uh, maybe just sip on that cup of tea for a moment. What does that mean? And, and how do we feel about being that refuge? We, we all want to belong. It's a deep human, it's part of being human is to, to have this sense of needing to belong. And uh, there's a beautiful new book by um, Sebeni Selassie, um, <clears throat> it's a, uh, a teacher um, who lives in the US um, <clears throat> called you belong. I think it's called you belong. Um, and um, so, you know, and her her premise is that we do belong. We we all belong, uh, even if we feel like we don't. We um, we all belong to one another, uh, in a very <clears throat> not only to the whole human family, but but uh, to all of life. The, um, the sense of sangha can, uh, can be seen in, in, in kind of widening circles. Um, there's this story of, uh, that I heard once from um, Michael Stone. I think I, I read something that he wrote. And he told a story of meeting um, Sensei Pat Enkyo O'Hara. So she was one of the, um, the founders of um, uh, uh, I'm not remembering the name of the Sangha, but it's uh, with Bernie Glassman. Um, uh, and uh, it's a, uh, it, it's a Sangha in New York that uh, just very, very inclusive. And uh, he, so, so when he first met her, he didn't really know her background. And, um, and he asked what her sangha is. And, uh, and she answered, my sangha is Manhattan. So, um, so that, that sense of, yeah, this is, this is, this is my community. Uh, this is, the, these are the people who I belong to, who, I, um, I, I serve and who uh, I care about and, and carry in my heart. Um, 
so uh, so as as sangha is a uh, it's just it's this human um, connection, and I think it's it's helpful to to in some way understand uh, sangha. You know, we can understand it as very radically inclusive. I think it, it's also helpful to understand it, you know, as the people that we practice with, um, the people who we feel we we we're on we're journeying with on, on these dharma trails. There's a there's a sense of having friends on the path. Um, that's really beautiful, and it's a refuge and a joy. Um, and 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 without expectation that we or anyone else is perfect, this sense that the of having shared values, uh, that we may work together, we may we may find a way to be of service together, um, and that and that there's um, uh, a, a sense of you know we're on this path, we're we have. We're trying to wake up. We're uh, we're trying to follow the precepts. We're trying to to uh, live in a way that is consciously less harmful, not harming others, uh, to have compassion for ourselves and others. And so, um, as sangha, we uh, we can inspire one another to cultivate and express these beautiful qualities of heart and mind. And um, and we can we can remember that uh, that as we look to others for um, for our inspiration and for encouragement and support, that we also are part of that. Um, uh, and and that others maybe we don't realize it, but others also look to us. Uh, and and we can be that support just just by keeping on keeping on just by keeping going on the path showing up um, showing up uh, at your local Zoom sangha and hopefully um, uh, in person um, se- uh, meditation sessions um, someday soon. So, so as practice communities, um, we haven't always been fully aware uh, and done all that we could to include everyone um, and to ensure that all feel welcome. And um, as as a person uh, who is white, who identifies or has been identified in, in, a, in our society as white uh, and as um, uh, cisgendered. Um, you know, I haven't always recognized or understood that when, even if I say all are welcome, it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone feels welcome, you know, especially when they, uh, May show up, and and they might be the only um, BIPOC person, or the only trans person, or um, you know the only um, 
you know, queer person um, in the room. And, um, and when teachers are not um, being invited into the teaching cohort who represent different kinds of experiences, different kinds of ways of perceiving and, um, and expressing life, uh, then, then as much as one might say all are welcome, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that all feel welcome. And, um, and there are a lot of, there's a lot of uh, re-education that's being done now um, among different Dharma communities to try to, uh, to really um, listen and discover and learn uh, and, and, and collaborate um, with uh, those who uh, may not have felt so welcome. And so that it's the we is, is really an inclusive we. Um, and, and, and we understand that um, we all need to be liberated together that um, if, if we are not a truly inclusive we, then, uh, then we are uh, losing out of the wisdom and compassion and gifts and skills. Um, and, and so we're not truly becoming free. Uh, and, and to the extent that we are blind to this and remain ignorant to this, we are not free. Um, so, um, so waking up together means waking up to, to the ways that we have excluded and devalued um, ourselves and others. So, and, and uh, it's, it's, it's an outer and an inner experience. Um, I'd like to share a, a YouTube video, a short YouTube video, it's just 11 minutes, that I came across uh, when, I was, um, when I was researching this. Uh, so uh, we're gonna, um, Twinkle's gonna put that on share screen. And um, should we uh, stop recording or pause recording uh, with Twinkle? I guess. I think it should be recorded. It's, yeah, it's up to you. Okay, so we'll leave the recording. So uh, just a, um, so just a, a warning. I, I, I don't think anybody's gonna be too shocked but um, uh, there are a couple of F-bombs in this, um, in this uh, video, so just so you know. May I love myself just as I am. May my happiness continue to grow. May I love and be loved.
Meditation was introduced in my life at an early age and not like officially. It was an experience I had with my abuelita, with my grandma. And she, I was like 11 and I was sitting outside and I experienced something really profound. It was a trip, like that was like the first time I really experienced that what people talk about, I guess enlightenment, where I just was one with everything. I was one with my, my grandma. I was felt one with myself. Yeah, I think that was the first time I experienced meditation. Meditation can actually refer to many different things. It can refer to my um, mindfulness. It can refer to concentration. Um, meditation is common across both Eastern and Western spiritual traditions. It's increasing our capacity to be aware of what our experience is. So sex, drugs, and rock and roll, those were my addictions. And I mixed them all. And, you know, as being a, a queer man, um, I came out on the streets of Hollywood, of Hollywood, and, you know, right off of Santa Monica Boulevard, and with all the, the prostitutes and the drugs that went along with that lifestyle. And so that to me was like being gay, was being, going to bars and drinking, you know, and, and then that's what all the other gay folks were doing. And so I knew I was gay and it was queer. So I knew that, okay, this is what I, I mean, I thought this is what I got to do, you know, to be, to fit in. I grew up in a, in a very typical sort of um, middle, uh, middle class suburb um, outside of Philadelphia. And, and even during that time, I knew that, that I was um, a gay boy, even though I didn't have that, those words. By my early 30s, um, I was, even though I was to the world functioning, I was deeply unhappy inside, not knowing where to go. So, um, you know, one of my um, therapists actually said, you know, you need to find a way to decrease your stress. And so I started meditating. It's particularly accessible for those of us that identify, you know, in the um, queer uh, community or as people of color. Um, we are able to come here on certain nights where we know we'll have the safety um, to express those tender places in our hearts and not be met with judgment, criticism, or be held apart. The places I practiced were again like my suburban um, upbringing, pretty upper middle class and white. And uh, so I wasn't actually, I didn't feel that I fit in or belonged and um, didn't know whether this tradition was, was um, uh, meant for a person like me, which is ironic considering my parents uh, came from Asia and, and, and this is an Asian tradition. It became clear that identity is such a door into spiritual practice. And so that was one of my interests along with some um, uh, fellow Dharma friends um, 
to create something like EBMC, East Bay Meditation Center, that is fully accessible to um, all those diverse identities that not just reside in our communities, but also reside in ourselves. I hear from a lot of people that like when they meditate, they feel very relaxed. And um, when I first meditated, I was very frustrated because like I would try to concentrate and I would try to focus on my breath and I couldn't. Like, you know, I would try to focus and then my thoughts would drift out somewhere. You know, I would have like some Lady Gaga like song in my head. And I thought like, you know, this isn't working. Like, am I doing something wrong? In this contemporary vernacular, Sangha means community. It is one of the three refuges. Um, the possibility of awakening, the refuge of the Buddha, is the first refuge. The path towards that freedom is the Dharma, which is the second refuge. And it's so interesting that in this particular wisdom tradition, community is actually the third pillar of the spiritual teachings. That that you can't actually um, uh, thrive in your spiritual life without the experience of uh, community. That means, you know, the relationships beyond um, our just ourselves. I grew I grew up with my Latino side of the family, and so when I came out um, at the age of 26, I to my mom it was. A trip, you know, there's so many layers to it. It's integrated in a way, it's suppressed, right? It's suppressed and as an individual, we have to repress it and we integrate into the majority culture, which is heterosexism and we go have babies and we don't stray so much from that, that conditioning, right? That role. Those messages that you grew up with, that you're not okay because of where you're from, because of how you look, your skin color, or who you love, that were so persistent, um, sort of a daily, um, uh, it's traumatizing to grow up and not have a reflective image of who you are. And I think that's one of the reasons why you feel very comfortable in that place, because it's not like a space that's like homogenized, right? It's a space that like I feel that like when I go in there, I don't stick out like a sore thumb, right? And so I feel very much um, just kind of like, I don't feel invisible, but I feel like comfortable in that space. And the first is, where do you hold on, okay? Where do you resist the change in your life? Where, where is it in your life that you wish things to be constant? In unchanging. Question two is how does that make you feel? And then the third question, really, which is what we really want to explore, is how do you use your practice to help you work with that, <coughs> with that desire to hold on?
all these bottoms, right? So I hit these points where I was like, where the fuck am I? Who the fuck did I just have sex with? Unprotected sex with? Under the influence of all these drugs, you know? Sex being one of the drugs. And it just got to a point where, you know, I just like, it was my rock bottom. And I won't go into the story. It's an awful story. But I'm grateful. I'm so grateful that I got to that point without having any permanent damage, you know, where I was like, okay, I cannot give any more of myself to these addictions, to these addictive behaviors. And, and so, yeah. And then that moment of, I was in the ER, and that moment of sitting in the ER, I was like, that was meditative. That was like, no more. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give myself spiritually, physically, emotionally, I'm not gonna give myself. I'm not that person anymore, you know, I'm not, I'm not having to run away from things or chasing things. That's the nature of addiction for me was like the really the chasing that kind of, you know, and there's parallels to meditation and, and addiction in terms of like that, the touching that deepest part of craving without seeking out those old behaviors. As I looked into that question of who am I, the second question came up is, who am I really? I'm a gay man. Who am I beyond that? I'm a gay man of color. Does that describe all of who I am? Not really. So, um, yeah, I, I, just maybe the last thing I'll say, and, and then I'd like to have to open, invite some, some uh, reflection response. There's, a, there's an oft quoted um, uh, a words um, response of the Buddha to Ananda. Um, who Ananda once uh, approached the Buddha and said, you know, um, I think that that spiritual friendship is half of the spiritual life. And the Buddha said, no, Ananda, don't say that. Spiritual friendship is the whole of the spiritual life. So that's, that really uh, emphasizes the, the importance of Sangha. And uh, yeah, so... I'd like I'd like to just invite um, anyone to to offer any response, any question, any thought uh, that you have to on this topic, and um, yeah, maybe I'll just pause. 
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.